Hiring and retaining good web developers is a challenge for many agencies. With a white label team, it's different. White Label Agency has coded over 4,000 websites as a partner to digital agencies, and they allow you to scale your team up and down to have the right number of developers at all times. Our listeners now get 30% off their first projects. Just tell them you're a deal master, and they'll know what you mean. Find out more at thewhitelabelagency.com. My extra special guest this week is Robert Craven. He is a first-class international keynote business speaker, digital agency expert, author, and business growth consultant. I've been reading his books for years. He's a true expert in all things growing a digital agency. And in fact, he's had such an impact on me that whenever I go into big pitches and presentations these days, I always refer to his work before I go into the room. Grow your digital agency and grow your service firm both excellent books and I highly recommend that you get them both. His clients include Google, Barclays and Nando's to name a few. We discuss everything from what do the high performing agencies do as found by Google, uh, the difference between lifestyle agencies and growing a big business. We discuss why so many agencies don't have a sales process and why they're essential to improving your results and actually how to create one. And with all the talk about selling your agency recently, he advises agencies not to sell and the reasons for that, which is fascinating. We go deep into the conversation about sales and winning new business. He says sales is the best thing you can do with your clothes on. Um, We talk about how most agencies don't understand sales and marketing themselves. He has some really tough words for agencies actually um he really doesn't like rfps the best approach is a proactive sales one which i couldn't agree more about he discusses how to get people to follow you by becoming an expert this is just such a masterclass in agency growth so i'm just going to say without me keeping you in suspense any further my conversation with robert craven Robert Craven is the UK's best known and sought after keynote speaker on growing digital agencies. He also speaks about finding, delighting and keeping more and better customers and clients. He's not full of theoretical rhetoric. He offers practical solutions, tangible business growth results. Robert works on marketing and growth strategy and has been widely published and acted upon by thousands of businesses and agencies around the world from Blackberry to Barclays and from Nando's to Airbus. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Robert Craven, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Pleasure, pleasure is all mine. I've been looking forward to speaking to you for a very long time. I've been reading your work for years. You've influenced my career and my life enormously. So thank you very much for being on the show. Absolutely my pleasure. You've, you've got a fantastic background. You've been a program director for Warwick Business School. You've been a managing director for multiple uh, businesses. You're a speaker, consultant, coach, presenter, and author of many fantastic books. But you get your MBA from Warwick Business School in 1990. What did you think you were going to do with your career at that time? <laughs> well, that's a brilliant question. So um, I'd I'd run a restaurant, sound recording studio, a uh, bit of a training company, 
And I kind of thought that um, my homespun ideas about how to run a business based on my father's sort of cash till, earn cash, spend money approach. Mm. Uh, I kind of felt there was something missing from that. And mm. what had happened was that I'd been invited into an art centre up in Sheffield called the Lead Mill some people may know and I got invited in there to do some work I didn't realize it was consulting and on the train on the way back the guy said to me what have you been doing and I told him he said oh wow you should be charging good money that's consulting hmm. I suddenly realized that my um, arsenal of tools tricks tips techniques and ways of helping businesses was limited by my experience I needed to go to grown-up business school to find out what grown-ups did Okay, really interesting. And business school is where you learn how businesses or how people act in the real world. Don't, shouldn't you get that experience from no, the real world? No, no, I learned nothing at business school. Right. Okay. <laughs> Total waste of time. Okay. I, actually, no, I learned. I learned. I learned two things. Yeah. Uh, for all that money and a whole year of my life and and all the. I mean, basically, you learn. You learn by. You, you learn about business by losing your own money. Uh, you, don't, you don't learn by uh, clever clock theories. And also the clever clock theories were written in the 50s and 60s sure. and based on G and BCG sure. and things like that, which was totally irrelevant to running your own business. So yeah. business school, um, apart from the two little nuggets which I took away from it, was um, – Brilliant for networking, brilliant mm. for meeting other people who are in business, mm. uh, brilliant for speeding up my my rate of work. But in terms of, and this is how you grow a business, mm. uh, no. Probably not. not. not, no, not I, I almost feel as it's better for professional CEOs that are running those larger organizations. So if you want to be a professional CEO in a you know, FTSE 250, 500 or what have you, it seems as though it's perfect training for that. But if you're starting up as a small business owner, that sort of expertise isn't the best place to start. Um, chucking everything into a two by two matrix has got nothing to do with the fact that your your PA is sleeping with your finance manager or whatever it is. It doesn't it doesn't equip you for sure. that. Uh, what it does equip you for is doing those big pitches to big boards. And what it does equip you to do is to go into any board and be able to kind of talk at the same level, so you kind of know what they're talking about. Mm. But most of it really is is 101 most of it's about you know why should people bother to buy from you what makes you different from mm. the rest mm. you know, how can you how can you you know stand out from the competition mm. it's not it's not about right. you know highly clever highly sophisticated mathematical sure. equations really anyway i'll stop talking about business schools <laughs> they, they have been very good to yeah, me. yeah definitely um, but at the same time the it has to be practical and relevant mm. to people running their own businesses. You then become a series editor for Virgin Business Books. What was that all about? And is that where you met Sir Richard Branson? Because I know that you're close or friends. Oh, no, no, we're not close or friends. That's just a, uh, a bit of spin. Um, and it, <laughs> marketing and, spin? Um, well, no, it's not marketing spin. I've never, I've never said that we were. Um, oh, so, so, so sorry, Richard that's, wrote that's just me. Sir, you just you just joined the dots, that, yeah. and uh, and I didn't stop you from doing that. Mm. Um, so, sir, so I, I I was approached by Virgin Business Guides. They wanted to write a a business book with with the business school. So it's the same thing. It's like Virgin, the brand is big enough. You don't actually need a business school to to get get into bed with. But they mm. wanted to do that. So I brokered that deal, 
uh, and became the series editor. And as a result of that, I ended up publishing my first two books with with Virgin Business Guide. So it's mm. a great experience working with Virgin. It's great writing books. Um, it's totally flattering and did my reputation no harm having a whole bunch of quotes from Sir Richard sure. Branson. But those are related to the books as opposed to me as a perfect human individual. Makes sense. Fast forward a couple of years and you're now running workshops and seminars and programs for high growth digital agencies, specifically via Google partners. So including yep. uh, business coaching programs, rising star programs, sales masterclasses. Tell yep. us more about that. Um, about five, six years ago, Google did a big piece of research into what made high performing agencies behave or or yeah, behave and therefore get different results from other agencies. Mm. And coming out of that work, they kind of discovered, one, it's really easy to identify the high performers. They've got bigger clients, they've got bigger fees, they've got better people, better profitability, they've got better billability. Uh, it's really easy to identify them. It's really easy to identify the gap. But the, the kind of the secret source isn't what they do in a way because you can you know, buy my book, you know, you can buy a book to, right. or go to a presentation to figure out what, what they do differently. The secret source is actually around around coaching and mentoring, hand-holding people to go from the kind of the, the middle rump of the bell curve uh, to the right to become more exceptional performers. And so the, the consistent thing, I can tell you what these people did consistently in terms of clarity and focus and vision and direction and strategy but the, the the which are kind of you would expect but i think the the secret source is actually about uh, external uh, hand holding on that journey be it coaching consulting mentoring whatever you wish to call it the nudge the accountability the challenge and so on and so forth hmm so it, it's not so much about their ambition or their particular area of specialism or how they differentiate or how they they market themselves in the marketplace. It's more about sort of how they're held accountable. By no, I think I think I think it's all. I think it. it's I think it's all of the above. Mm. So mindset, clarity, focus, vision, being in the right place at the right time, mm. being segmenting the marketplace, differentiating yourself from the competition, being clear about what success looks like, mm. relentless execution. This is all good stuff, and you can go to any workshop on any breakfast, lunch, tea time, or dinner time networking thing, and people will, will tell you endlessly about doing all the good stuff. And, mm. I, think, and I think it is, it, that is absolutely right. I guess what I'm saying is that these people had all of the above. Mm -hmm. And then how do you how do you push people from the middle of the bell curve up is they need some kind of external sure. coach, consultant, facilitation, accountability piece, sure. which, which is the kind of the icing on the cake. Makes makes complete sense you say there are three inflection points for agencies so roughly around five staff 10 to 20 staff 40 to 50 staff talk about and obviously there are new ways of working that are needed at each stage talk about the problems that you see agencies having at each stage and what can they do about it um i think well so, so i think maybe my my views on inflections kind of change slightly so by inflection what i mean is it's a bit like growth as in you go from baby to toddler to infant in, infant child to 
adolescent and uh, at each stage you kind of outgrow your your previous way of behaving mm-hmm. so when you're very very small it's just like hey we're open mm-hmm. and we're cheap and people want to buy stuff from right. us and isn't that fantastic right and uh, you know by the time you're 50 or 100 people it's like we've got a brand and we've got uh, a proven ology and look at our case studies and look at people who work with us and that's why you should buy from us in that journey as you go through it the the inflection points are normally around um, uh, when you start buying non-fee earners, because what happens is your your profitability crashes because you spend fifty thousand pounds on someone who becomes your finance director, or you sure. spend fifty thousand pounds on someone who becomes your head of client services, sure. or whatever it's there. They're non-fee earners, and it just kills your your business model. But it also means you've got to, as the owner, you've got to start. Uh, employing people, you've got to start running teams, you've got to start getting people to do stuff for your people. So that's why it changes. And you can see, you can imagine a graph going from zero to 100 staff. And your way of of selling, your way of running the business, your process and systems, uh, your proposals, your uh, focus on profitability versus cash versus collecting money versus people changes, your culture changes, all these things change, Mm -hmm. more or less, more or less chapter by chapter, if that imagine. So the first one is kind of which I think is in some senses, if you look back, is it's the biggest when you're there, it's when you're five people, but it's not the biggest really because it's just the blindingly obvious that, hey, you're starting to employ people and you, your profitability crashes because when it's you, you're, you do 100K, you take her 99. When it's five people, you do, um, um, theoretically, you do five times that, uh, but you don't make as much profit. So... Uh, and you don't do five times that. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, the so inflection point one is round about five, which is when you can no longer just be doing everything yourself. You've got to make a decision about whether you'd work in the business or whether you work on sales, and and also you've got to do the accounts. And do you start getting someone to do the accounts? And 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 it's all going. But I think the really big one comes at about fifteen, size of a rugby team. That's the really big hmm. one. Where suddenly you're you're buying in one or two big hitters. And then I think, again, it happens again. Certainly in, in agencies, it's quite specific. Five-ish, 15, 25. Uh, and then there's a loose one around about 45, 65 people. So you go from being the owner to the owner-founder to the managing director to the CEO. You go from uh, it being an absolutely flat organization Mm. through to having people working with you, through to having one or two heads of, through to having a board of directors, finance director, marketing director, uh, heads of operations. So so you can predict... You can predict what's going to happen next. So when someone says to me they're 20 staff, it's like, oh, God, do they have any idea what's what's coming up ahead of them as they, as sure. they hit that 25 barrier? Interesting. Uh, and what you find is is people get stuck or rather they're not able to push through to break through. So they kind of get stuck at four or five or they get stuck at 14 or 15 or they get stuck at 24 or 25 or they give up and sell because it's it's. Uh, Going from being a techie who does stuff to a techie who works as part of a team to a techie who's actually running a business mm. to a techie who's meant to be doing strategy and business planning and external stuff. And and you're so you can imagine a graph which has got 
you know, top left-hand corner, 100% in the business, techie. Right. And, and, and at the same time, 0% delegating. And then as, as the business gets bigger and bigger, you work less and less in the business, less and less technically, by my mean, mean technically in the business. Mm-hmm. And you spend more and more time delegating. Sure. And the thing you bought into which is, hey, I want to run a business. I want to, run, I want to, I want to be able to work in my underpants, uh, which I am at the moment. Uh, joking. Uh, that, that thing about oh, I want to do my own thing yeah. um, rapidly vanishes. It does. you realise you've got to feed other mouths sure. and paying for mortgages and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And that becomes the thing that they start to dislike because they started it because they're a creative or a techie and they want to do that thing. But with then... As the business grows, you have to become this other person, take on these other hats, and the thing that you actually love doing becomes less and less and less. And I guess that goes back to your point around coaching, those inflection points. It's useful to have a coach to take you on that journey, yeah. which is obviously a great sort of segue into, into your services. But I'm sure you're also advocating that they look for coaches outside, you know, so other agencies that are maybe slightly further along than them, um, yeah. that have done a similar sort of thing. Is it better to look at an agency that's slightly be- ahead of you or significantly ahead that they've seen? Uh, okay, there's about 10 things going on there. So the first <laughs> thing is uh, beware, you know, uh, beware beware coaches who say, this is how I did it 15 years ago mm. and this is how you should do it using my ABC123. Right. Checkbox. Because right. because every different business owner has a different they're playing a different game, they're running a different race. One mm. person wants to be the best in leads, one person wants to be the best wants to be the employer of choice, wants one wants to do the best work, mm. one wants to be the best in Europe, one wants to be the most profitable, one wants to retire within three years' time. So you all have different games you're playing. So you can't there's not a one size fits all theory that fits in. And I think one of the reasons that things like coaching and mastermind groups are so powerful is because in a mastermind group, you can have people who are twice as big, three times as big as mm. you. Uh, and and with a coach or a consultant, I think you need someone who is who has been there, done it, read the book, got the T-shirt. Uh, but I think there's, and I go back to mastermind groups, there's tons to learn from people like you. Peer-to-peer learning is mm-hmm. incredibly powerful to turn mm-hmm. to the to the man or the woman next to you and say, I've got this, I don't know whether to get finance directed yet. What have you, you're the same size as me, what have you done? And they say, oh, we get a finance director two days a month and we pay the, oh, I hadn't, hadn't occurred to me. Sure. Or how do you, how do you, how do you manage your teams? We're currently using like hubs of eight, but I'm not sure it shouldn't all be, um, uh, sector specific because we work with accountants and lawyers and bankers and it might be hmm. and for someone to say we tried that and it didn't work so we do it by service because we think service works so i think you as an agency owner you maybe you're part of a mastermind group where you've got a, a mix and a blend maybe you have a coach and i think also the coach and the consultant and the mastermind group they change according to what your needs are because hmm. depending on on whether you've got you know a big flow of work but but the work isn't being done well or whether you're really confused about whether you should be going into europe or not or whether you're really confused about whether you want to sell or not you know so we in our head we have these different conversations going on and i think we need a selection of uh, help help points and spaces to go 
You've also got some really strong words for agency owners. You say too many agency owners don't have the right mindset. They're far too focused in the business um, or they're preoccupied with petty political debates with clients or staff, or maybe they don't think big enough. Others don't feel worthy while others still simply create a business around their own self-limiting beliefs. Tell us how you really feel. Well, the answer is yes. Um, (laughs) If you want to run a um, lifestyle business, that's cool. I've got no problem with that. I I actually think that's, in some senses, I think the happiest agency owner is the one who's running an agency for 10 people. They're doing about a million, taking home 150,000 pounds, and they've given up on this. I'm going to be, I'm going to sell for eight million, zillion, trillion, quintillion. I think that the problem comes when people get sucked into this. You've got to grow piece, mm. and they're not they're not equipped to do it. It's like putting someone on a marathon. They don't really know what they're doing, and there isn't really a, one great textbook that tells you how to do it. So, I think. You know, lots of agency owners are, as you said before, they're kind of technicians, creatives. They've fallen into running a business. Now they're employing 5, 10, 20, 30 people. And they may not have the skill set to to run it, and they may attempt to run it based on what they learned kind of at art school. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a role for a business runner, and there's a role for an agency or a business, yeah, business run, a business manager, and there's a role for a, a creative manager. And, and and just to finish, and that's kind of what often happens is you end up with uh, someone who does the external facing strategic uh, crazy thinking stuff. And mm-hmm. then you have someone internal who makes stuff happen. Hmm. And it's, it's an interesting point that you make around growth for growth's sake, because, you know, we talked about those inflection points of five, you know, 15 people, 20 people plus, etc. And there is almost this expectation that that's what you need to do. But to your point, you don't necessarily have to do that. There are so many agency uh, owners that, that don't go down that, that, that route. More, 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 there's more to it than that. So I've, I've got a, I, so a couple of things about this whole sale thing. One is don't sell the bloody business, keep it and, and put someone to run it and come back in 10 years time hmm. uh, and take 50k a year out of it in the meantime. Or we, we've got a client at the moment who everyone was kind of amused at um, what this person's doing is they are saving £100,000 a year. And they're putting it into a product, pro- property portfolio. And in 10 years' time, the property portfolio will be hmm. worth a million quid. Never. And she'll be getting uh, £150,000 a year rent out of it because where she lives, the rental values are so high. Hmm. So so in 10 years' time, th- this business won't sell for millions, zillions. But, but an income forever in perpetuity of £150,000 a year, I think, is a pretty pretty cool thing to have. It really is. So uh, it doesn't have to be going for the sale. It doesn't have to be big. But mm-hmm. there are some people who from day one, uh, a close friend of mine in the States, and he said in five years time, we're going to sell this agency. And exactly five years to the day, the offer came in. And he'd taken an agency from zero to 150 people uh, with, that, with that intention. So some people are really good at that. Mm. Some people do that. I see. And for those sorts of people, with that person in particular, did he need somebody to hold him accountable? Was he good at keeping himself accountable? What, what was what was the reason for it, 
for you know for that success well i think there's a kind of a psychological profile about needing to prove stuff to your father or whatever Hmm. it is um that quite often is part of it there's a because uh, I, you know, I would challenge whether you, you know, selling the let's just say selling the business for ten million dollars and taking five million dollars home. I'm not sure whether that makes you any happier than mm. than plodding along, taking mm. taking fifty thousand quid out and hitting golf balls on a Friday and going to the swimming pool with the kids at the weekend. Do you um, think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs' drive comes from—the drive to prove things to other people? Yeah. And I think that, um, and I think that also it's to do with age. Uh, mm. So I think sub forty, you've got all this testosterone. I want to drive a Ferrari. I mm. want to prove who I am. Mm-hmm. And you hit forty, he says, having hit it some time ago, and mm-hmm. suddenly, suddenly the testosterone's not there. Mm. And secondly, you suddenly realise that you've driven a Ferrari, and it's you still have to wait for red traffic lights, <laughs> and and your breath still smells, and your bum's still spotty. um and 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 you and you adjust your ambition your ambition becomes less manically obsessed with nailing that number Mm. uh and your health and family and all that stuff comes Mm. in so i do think sub 40 you're really you're really driven to on those numbers post 40 Mm. you you chill out a bit or you come to terms with with not everyone i mean i'm I'm speaking sweeping generalizations you know because there are lots of lots of entrepreneurs in their 70s still enjoying the cut and thrust of, of cutting deals sure let's talk a little bit about marketing you, you say ironically most digital agencies are not great at sales and marketing themselves they yeah. may understand the nuts and bolts of how to assemble a great campaign but many fail to deliver a successful program for themselves if they did they'd be inundated with the kind of work that they want <laughs> yeah <laughs> discuss discuss uh, i think agencies are really good at, at, at transactional sales on the whole they're really good at understanding whatever kind of agency they're really good at understanding how to get people to click on a button to buy something mm. what they're not so good at is is relationship sales and what agencies need to be good at because they're selling a service they're not selling a product is they need to be good at relationships so they often avoid doing the obvious thing which is picking up the phone and going and talking and going and seeing people Hmm. and they they often i I mean you know how to grow the business you know kind of top of the hit parade are the things which agencies don't like doing so ppc is right at the top of the list sure You should be really good at that, but somehow most don't haven't cracked that one <coughs> for themselves. I'm, I'm, uh, the irony can't be missed. <laughs> um, running events, pressing flesh, picking up the bloody phone. Yeah, you know, and, is it just cobbler's shoes? Yeah, is it just I that? Think, I, I just I don't think, have well, enough I think, time. I think it's cobbler's shoes, but I also I think they they get stuck in the business thinking that the thing that they should be doing. They, they start thinking that the thing they should be doing is working on client accounts mm. and and delivering output and they forget that what they're actually there to do is help clients achieve the client's goals and needs mm. and and so they they kind of lose sight of of the oh god i don't have to use that word the purpose of the agency they lose sight of why don't you like purpose oh don't even start me on something really yeah. Oh, oh well, 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 we don't have to well, go with Simon Sinek, but purpose and it's not his fault. It's not his. It's not his fault. It's what's happened. It's how people have grabbed hold of the need okay. and purpose, sure. and how how the word can be manipulated and used. I think they forget uh, 
um, that, you know, people don't buy from you for what you do. They buy from you for what you do does for them. Mm. And they, and they become preoccupied with really, really clever clogged things that they're doing, which may or may mm. not give the clients what the clients really need. Mm -hmm. Really, really good point. Really good point. So you say, and that's a huge bugbear of mine, actually, the fact that agencies don't do the, the sort of proactive sales work mm. that they need to do to win new business predictably. They wait for the phone to ring, they wait for RFPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great when RFPs come in, but it's not predictable. You can't scale it. It's know, not, RFPs aren't great. They're shocking because you're one of 10 people along with along with the marketing director's best friend, along with the cheapest in town, along with the best in the industry, and, and along with the existing the existing uh, agency who's in place. Hmm. So your odds of winning are about one in 20. You know, yeah, so it's know. Actually, unless you write the RFP yourself, hmm. then it's a, it, you know, and it's kind of this hunting and farming thing about everyone says, oh, we really enjoy farming, taking it easy and the phone rings when we need to. Mm. But as you say, they don't, they don't actively say, okay, how can, we get, how can we get in front of, talk to and meet more people like the people we want to be working with? How, mm. can, we, how can we speed that process up so that we're not waiting for the phone to ring? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and there's nothing wrong. You know, personally, I think sales is the best thing you can do with your clothes on. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> the most exciting thing and 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 agency people are petrified of people saying no or not yeah. liking your ideas well everyone is well well yeah but the the sooner you get to know the sooner you can move on to the next person sure, sure. and 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 it's it's kind of unpicking the um this idea of the, you know the proposal the predictable proposal which has the price at the end and it's it's being charged out by the hourly rate and it's, it's like it's like everything's kind of upside down in in how people are, are selling they mm. they they end up uh giving stuff away they end up pricing by the hour they end up you know rolling over to give clients what they want as opposed to finding people they really want to work with, who they really got on well with, who they can add awesome value to, who are happy to pay them. And it's kind of, uh, it's, and I understand why that happens, because uh, we've got the mortgages to pay. Mm. But, uh, you know, we can have uh, values and we can have beliefs and we can go and look for clients who we can do awesome work with and we can say no to clients that don't fit our idea of what a brilliant client will be definitely there's so much to talk about here this is a huge bugbear of mine and we can be talking about this for forever there's, there is one thing uh, something i do want to talk to you about though because you you talk about this sort of hierarchy um of the way that agencies need to sort of organize their own marketing so there are sort of eight points to it so there's mm. marketing strategy slash marketing plan market segmentation and differentiation mm. usp a value proposition, which I've got my own opinions on, yeah. value props. Yeah. Yeah. Elevator pitch, which is, I love your elevator pitch, which is fantastic. You've got marketing channels, sales process, and then proposal templates. Yeah. Why that Why that eight and why in that order? Well, um, you've got to have the marketing plan. You've got to have the plan to roll out, and the plan has bits of, of the list lower down. So without the marketing plan... Um, yeah, you know, you, you've got you, you're going there, you know, failing to you know, planning to failing to plan, mm -hmm. planning to fail, and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if there's one that I'd go for, I'd go for elevator pitch because I think elevator pitch kind of sums up the whole the whole piece. So talk to me about that. What is what is the elevator pitch? It's that that thirty second one minute thing that that you say when people ask you what you do. Yeah, and it's not and and it's focusing on the benefits of the benefits of what you do. Yeah, so it's a it's a a nice simple succinct way of talking to people. It can be on your business card it can be on your website it can be how you what you'd say after you say hello yeah um and you know now quantify personally i quite like a, a quantifiable one now i think quantifiable is better than non-quantifiable and you know as you you referred to propositions earlier on there's a sales proposition which yeah. is if you if this is your problem and this is what you want we can do this and these are the numbers we'll achieve sure and there's also obviously that kind of uh, purpose yeah. proposition, which is we're here to change the world, sure. and save the dolphin. <laughs> um, so, so you need the. Plan. There's nothing wrong with saving saving the dolphin. If that's yeah, what if, we that's your, do. if that's your. Yeah, hang on a second. I, I'm not sure I agree with that because because yesterday I bought a train ticket, I bought a ream of paper, I bought some guitar strings, yeah, I bought a. a a pot of coffee right. and I bought some curtains and at yeah. no point did I ask myself, <laughs> I wonder why these people do what they do. Yeah. You know? So, so we just need to keep that whole Simon Sinek start with why thing. I'm not saying I don't have some nice clothes made by some nice people. Right. And, and my guitars are made by, I know who made the guitars, sure. and so, but in lots of, lots of the world, we don't actually need to have that stuff. Anyhow. So that whole marketing <laughs> thing is about, segmentation and differentiation you know uh who are we selling to and why are we different from the rest being clear about what makes us special what we can deliver uh and then deciding what the best way of reaching our specific customers are and then having a, a form formal formalized formulaic process sales process which would include having, you know, what I call a proposal factory, mm -hmm. which is a systematic processed way that we knock out proposals really, really quickly. So mm -hmm. that they go out within 48 hours, not within 48 days. Oh, wow. 48 hours. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a record for many agencies well, that I've worked with. He who puts in the first proposal normally wins, you know. Oh, is, that, uh, is that so but there's yeah. there's so much customization that needs to go into every single one and for huge pitches there's a lot of research oh, and okay so huge pitches for a two hundred thousand five hundred thousand pound pit of course it's going to take you longer but for for a, a quick and dirty piece of work okay, 10, sure. 15, 20,000 pounds all you need to do is have all your cvs in place have your case studies by service have your case study by uh by um market sector have the intro, have the outro, have the terms and conditions, hmm. and then it's it's a it's a cut and paste. Drag and drop. Right. Drag and drop. And 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 yet so many fifteen, twenty, thirty, fifty person agencies yeah. are still like they never Agonizing did that two days of work at the front end so they yeah. can just cut drag stuff together. Yeah. And then more importantly, then everyone in operations knows what they're meant to be delivering. Yeah. And there's consistency, there's a price point, there's everyone's happy with it. I'm a huge fan of the proposal factory. Makes makes a lot of sense to me. I love your elevator pitch because you, yeah. so there are five parts to, yeah. to it. And essentially it's, we work with, yeah. who have problems with, yeah. what we do is, yeah. so that, which means. Yeah. I absolutely, and I've been using that for, as soon as I read that, I was like, I'm stealing that, I'm having it. And I've been good. using it for years. It's fantastic. Yeah. Why is that so good? 
so we work with because you don't work with everyone you work with young old 17 to 20 black white red green pink whatever it is um more importantly you have a problem with because mm. you know the whole psychology thing is our motivation to move away from is bigger than our motivation to work to walk towards mm. so who are petrified of dying is far stronger than so their breath doesn't smell for, mm. for smoking Mm. for um so we work with 15 to 20 year old girls you've got a problem with acute acne mm. is is much stronger than we work with 15 to 20 year old girls who like their skin to look nice interesting so you we work with marketing directors who are petrified of missing their their end of year numbers sure. we work with uh creative directors who feel that their their messaging is not working so you so that's why you, it's always you a work problem with, yeah, we work with these people who have this problem. Have what we do, right. what we do is is inconsequential. I don't really care whether you have a ten, twenty, fifty page process or whether you've got an MBA or not. But you have to mention that. So, fifteen, twenty year old girls, you've got a problem with acute acne. We put you through a fourteen day homeopathic treatment. Hmm. Um, creative directors, we take you through our five stage audit process. Hmm. The thing that people are really interested in is what comes out of that which is how you get onto the, which means so that, that, which so means, that yes, yeah. brilliant. So, so which means that you get to hit your numbers, which yeah. means that you get to have the, the complexion you want, which means that you get to have the, um, uh, um, the ROI that you are after. And then you are, you do the, another one, which means that, or so that, so that you can relax at the weekend. So yes. that, you can take part in the community right. as you wanted to okay. so that you can you can walk up to your FD and stuff the numbers under his nose. Back to so a benefit for them. What, the what, benefit of the benefit, right, yeah. makes Makes complete sense. And whenever someone asks you, so, oh, so what do you do? That should be your response. You know, yeah, we well, with... I think we work with, you've got a problem with, and then if people ask you more, you can, you can move on. I mean, it's not, um, it's, it's, I wouldn't get too, wound up with only doing it one way i think there's mm. a number of different ways you can do it hmm. um, so you have you know most people should have three or four like depending on what marketplaces you work in you and the easiest thing with elevator pitches of course is you just flip it back so someone says what do you do well before you before i answer that i'd like to know what you do yeah i'm the marketing director at jaguar that's going to be a very different we work sure. with than, than oh i run a sports shop at the end of the road <laughs> Um, good point so you you respond to what they want and you probably most people have three or four yeah. ready which goes back to our point about sales and a sales process right yeah that's that's what you're talking about the beginning of a sales process opening up that conversation in my experience many agencies don't have a documented sales process why should we have one and what does a good one look like I think you just follow the customer journey uh, and what the touch points are and what you're going to give them and how you're going to give it to them. Um, so the, the the sales process may be these are all the channels which we're communicating with. Mm -hmm. um, these are the these, these are what we're messaging and how we're messaging it. This is what we expect them to do next, and this is how we reach them then. And and it may well be you use spin selling or strong selling or whatever. Mm -hmm over the mnemonic you are but there's something about a proven testable model 
which is working and improving for you all, all the time. And even if it's a non, even if it's a non-model, if that makes sense, even if it's we don't do proposals, uh, we just sit down and talk to people. That is a process in its own right, and I think it's something which which kind of fits with your um, with your process, your values, and how you wish to do business. But for someone who's been at the the receiving end of um, proposals uh, and pitches and sales processes is incredibly dull the way most people grind you through their mm-hmm. dull, dull process. <laughs> sure. So you need to see the whole thing from the customer's point of view. That would be my, my take on it. Now, when it comes to sales, Robert, I, it's my opinion is that the salesperson is the most important factor in that sales conversation, that dynamic, over and above the brand of the agency and the services and sort of what they offer and who their clients are. The differentiator, at least to me and my experience and sort of what I've seen and read, is the salesperson, the person actually doing, uh, sort of taking someone through a, a consultative sales process. They are ultimately the reason why a sale is won or lost. Discuss. <laughs> what do you think about that? Agreed. Next. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think that, um, so what do I think? I think, uh, on, on massive pitches and obviously it's a brand, no one ever got sacked for hiring IBM, IBM. that yeah, type exactly. of thing. Oh, look at the wonderful work they've done with mm-hmm. Benson and Hedges or whatever it is. Oh, look, they're on Formula One cars. So I think that, that at the high level, it's like that. But, but I at think the high the level, le- you'll have two competing companies that have equally strong brand names. Yeah, 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 I get that. And then does, does, what does it come down to then? Uh, then I think it's often about do they really understand what we're looking for? But I agree that the that, that subset of do they really understand what we're looking for is when I look that salesperson in the eye, do I really believe mm-hmm that they will go the extra mile and do I know where they live so I can put it through their window. Um, so I think that, uh, I think agency people are very bright, you know, and they can, they, if they're clever, they can, they can impress the clients. I think clients are fed up with salespeople coming in, selling something and then, uh the team coming in behind it and not delivering mm. so i think there's that sense of of do i really trust these people to to stick with me right the way through so um so i think i don't know what the percentage is but yeah i think it's 70 percent the salesperson in front of you mm. and it's kind of 20 percent. you know do they really understand do they really understand my needs and what i want and what success looks like mm. for me and I I'm not quite sure what the numbers are, but there's some sort of there's some sort of very clever graphic around that. So in principle, mm. yeah, I think it's about salesperson. I mean, you mm. just think about stuff that you buy, how often you buy stuff because you just thought, yeah, I really like them. I'm mm. sure, I'm sure they wouldn't associate themselves with a NAF brand. The reason why most agencies fail to hit their revenue goal or reach their potential is not because the business development team don't pitch well or they don't offer valuable insight to the prospect or they don't have excellent ideas and creative. It's rarely because they lack talent and capability. The reason why most agencies are not hitting their number is because their pipelines are too small, because they've not been prospecting. 
they don't have a proactive approach to business development. There are still far too many agencies sitting and waiting for the phone to ring, sitting and waiting for RFPs instead of getting their value proposition in front of their buyers and showing people why they should work with them. Now, after interviewing over 40 world-class agency sales and marketing leaders like Jill Conrath, Anthony Annarino, Jeb Blunt, and Brent Adamson, I'm running a small group coaching session on the 29th of January in Birmingham, which outlines our approach called proactive prospecting. The process creates a predictable pipeline of new business opportunities by creating the case for change with your buyer and prospecting little and often. It's the approach that I've used over the years to generate millions in new business revenue for agencies that I've worked with. If you're interested, drop me a line at nathanagencydealmasters.com. Let's talk a little bit about Grow Your Service Firm. I know you've got two excellent books, Grow Your Digital Agency and Grow Your Service Firm. Um, but Grow Your Service Firm, I just found f fascinating. Both books are excellent, by the way, but Grow Your Service Firm, it's for anyone growing either their own business or someone else's businesses, and it applies to both large and small businesses alike. And you start with a quote from David Ogilvy, which really mm. amused me. Um, I don't know who you are. I don't know your company. I don't know your products. I don't know what your company stands for. I don't know your customers. I don't know your company's record. I don't know your company's reputation. Now, what is it you want to sell me? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> it is. It is awesome. And I think, I guess my point about in Grow Your Service Firm is all we're selling is our reputation mm. where we can't, by definition, uh, as an agency, we can't store stuff. So we're selling time and the time is not storable. And once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, obviously we can productize things. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, you know, we've got to find a way of uh, engaging people. We've got to find a way of them knowing who we are, what we do, what we've done for other people and how it actually works, mm -hmm. which kind of feels like blindingly obvious. But then that, that goes on to the futility of trying to sell to people who don't know who we are. Because, mm. you know, if people don't know your product service, who you've worked with, what you've done, why on earth should they bother to engage with you? So, so what most people do is they spend 5% of their time talking, sorry, they spend 80% of their time talking to strangers, trying to get business from them. It's mm. never going to work. You know, mm. they don't know who you are. And 15% of the time in my parlance, in my language, talking to friends who do know what you do and do know what you've done, that makes a lot more sense. And only 5% of their time talking to the lovers, who are the people who think you're just wonderful and marvellous and awesome. Hmm. And it seems to make sense to me to actually turn that triangle upside down and spend 80% hmm. of your time with your lovers and 15% of the time with your friends and 5% with strangers. Because mm -hmm. the likelihood of someone who's never heard of you or what you do or how you do it is really unlikely. So this hmm. is a message about getting getting your brand Definitely. Loose's definition of the, of the sense of brand out there so mm. that when people find you, they want to engage with you because they know who you are, as opposed to doing this sort of pate de foie gras. I mean, obviously, the reality is you do a bit of everything. You sure. Do, you do events and you do uh, you, you do blogs and so on and so forth. But that's the part of building your brand. But that's part of building the brand and having and having the collateral of what people would expect someone like you to have. Hmm. So, um, 
Uh, yeah, when I read that David Ogilvy thing, it's like, oh my god, perfect. That, that, that yeah, is, that it is, just that is sums it up. About. Yeah, just it brilliant. really does. It really does. And and you go on to say that people love buying from an expert, but they hate buying from a follower. So your book is really a roadmap to show people how they can become an expert. And you say that an expert focuses, an expert yeah. writes, yeah. an expert possesses, knows, yeah. and speaks. And they also have an ology and they use the testimonials and, and endorsements. Talk about that. Um, I think you can, so fake it till you make it. I mean, I think you can, I don't, certainly don't condone fake it till you make it. Hmm. But what I do think is there are certain things that, so, so most people prefer to buy from an expert, a skilled person rather than uh, an also ran. And I think there are certain things we expect to see from a skilled expert. So, you know, depending on whether you're a creative agency or a graphic agency or <clears throat> full service or whatever it is, there are certain things that people expect to see. So awesome testimonials, awesome case studies, uh, over business benefits, mm -hmm. uh, a dramatic difference, a, a voice, a website that works, mm -hmm. uh, a website that's got an address and a phone number on every page. You mm -hmm. know, really, I mean, like some of the basics people mm -hmm. just don't get. Mm -hmm website that actually works on your mobile uh, i was trying to communicate with 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 someone claiming to be the world's number one linkedin person <laughs> and he had a typo on his on his oh, website no. and 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 the type form didn't work and i couldn't there's no way i could actually email him to say mate type form <laughs> this is a problem that you're putting out <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> that might be by so, design yeah. Anyhow, so so there are, there are a whole bunch of things you'd expect to see from an expert. And yeah. I think you just need to put those in place. And and at the center of it is this thing about the focus, which is the elevator pitch. Mm. Uh, and and what you focus on, we work with these people who have this problem, what we do is this. What you write about, we work with these people who have this problem, what we do is this. Um, what you, people you know, you're talking, it's like um, a DNA that runs through you, like, you know, like, like through the rock. And, mm. And just putting your position, yourself in the position of expert. So I'm going to be on the stage talking. Mm. I'm going to be the person who's written the book. I'm going to be the person who makes the introductions. We're going to the people who do the work. We're going to be the people that people talk about. Separates you out. You're, mm. You end up in a, in a different, um, a different atmosphere. You're 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 breathing different air. Mm. And Rarified and you can do air. that. It's it's it's. We're not all the same. It's not, you know, I hate this thing when you go to mark to um, kind of marketing networking meetings and uh, it's like, uh, so tell me, uh, what do you do? And people say, well, I suppose I'm what you might call a marketing agency. It's like, and, and, and tell oh, us really? why should you buy from you. Well, yeah, we're just a bit like everyone else, really. We do a bit of, bit of digital, a bit of creative. It's like, you hear that? Yeah, oh, so yeah. or alternative, alternative, you get that, that totally over in, we work with Coca-Cola. Everyone says they work with Coca-Cola. <laughs> you know? It's like you probably did the toilet signs, the <laughs> fa factory in North London. Right. Or something. 18 that years ago. Yeah, sure. yeah that, exactly. That yeah. So really? that, that thing about, about putting yourself in the role of expertise, in mm. authority, up to speed, on mm. your game, I think is really, really important. It is. And it goes back to your point around building your brand and sort of giving those social, social cues, social messages of expertise, of authority, of I know my subject, 
Um, really, really interesting. So I guess you're talking about building your personal brand, um, ultimately, which I guess is the popular term nowadays for doing just that right but there are so many and and you see fantastic agencies benefiting from that so i interviewed doug kessler from velocity partners recently he's probably the definition of that because he speaks he consults they're so very irreverent he's got a a very specific voice in the marketplace that he owns and because of that there's no one else really in the marketplace like velocity partners if you want to hire an agency with that voice you go to velocity partners you know what you're getting um, so they've created that clear water, but it might not be as easy for some founders to kind of put themselves out there in that public way. I mean, what sort of advice do you have for those people that are, I don't know, more introverted? Well, I kind of get as a couple of things. So firstly, yeah, Jerry Garcia, you know, it's like in an ideal, in an ideal world, you know, you want to be the leader of a category, but actually you want to be the leader of a category of one. Um, so there's that piece, which I, I, I fully approve of. Second thing, I think, is you've got to figure out what it is that you are unique at. And it's no good being unique at something that nobody wants. There's no, mm. you know, there may, uh, then maybe a hole in the market. But is there a market in that hole? Mm. Um, and third thing, is I, as, I, as I talked about earlier, I think most agencies, once you're about, above about 15, 20 people, you need two people running the agency. You need someone who is hmm. ex- external, out there, strategic, creative, open, making partnerships. And you need someone in the business doing the, making sure that the work gets turned out on the right day at the right time, the hmm. right man in the right form. So if you are the introvert who does awesome work, go and find someone who is the extrovert who's happy to go out there and do stuff. And I think there's a direct correlation. I've got no evidence to support this, but I've got, there's, there is a direct correlation. There has to be between getting out there, bumping into people, people getting to know you, uh, uh, being liked mm. and, and, and gaining work versus never leaving the office and hey not getting invited to do many pitches and not being invited into many offices you can't hide that part of running a business is there needs to be someone out there uh burning shoe leather Hmm. having i I mean i was at a mastermind group the other day one of ours uh not run by myself and i looked around the room and i realized there's eight people in the room and as the introductions went round, it's like oh yeah and I met you at Bath Digital Festival. We were we were quite, we were quite wasted, weren't we? Oh, oh wow. yeah. And I met you at Eliza's Christmas yeah. party, and I met you in London at the Adam and Ailes thing. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like so important. You you realise that the the yes, of course we we get yeah we get business from uh, uh, the the usual things. 97% of our business, hmm. 97% of our calls coming in into the office say, uh, I saw or I heard hmm. or I read Robert at. I see. And what I want is, and then we say, oh, well, the person you need is Jim or Janice sure. or Philippa or Antoinette or whatever it sure. is. So having that personality out there, and it could be a book and it could be a webinar mm-hmm. and it could be a podcast. Or, a podcast or it could be or it could be standing up in front of you know 500 people mm. and, and and doing your thing mm. um and it's 
so there's that piece about someone needs to be out there doing stuff hmm. and then i think there's also for me you know that that seth godan quote people like us buy from people, people like, like us, us. yeah and so it's it's how do they know that that you're like them you've got to engage with them very i i i, I a client of ours recently said it drives me mad we do a proposal we send it in and then and then they want us to see them so that they can show us pictures of their pony and and their daughter and da 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 and it's like yeah that's because that's really important to them but we can do the work without seeing them <laughs> i'm sure yeah, you I, can <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but but um part of the price is i want to see the whites of your eyes it's kind of like i want to be not for everyone but lots mm. of people want to be in the chef's kitchen and mm. see the chef chopping the stuff well, that's mm. cool that's and i think you just need to decide you know if you're a if we're just going to be a factory that bashes stuff out then we can just take a proposal and turn it around in mm. 24 hours and take the 500 quid if on the other hand we're going to do a fifty thousand pound website then that whole nurturing and conversation becomes more important and becomes more relevant as, as the trust changes. So it's just about mm. us, us matching our style with, with the product and service mm. that we're delivering. It goes back to, so that example that you just gave around the, the person that just wants to email the proposal and doesn't want to get in front of the client, it almost feels as though there's fear in, of, the, the, of sales, on, of the sales process. Why do we have such a visceral fear of sales? I feel, I mean, just to answer my own question for a moment, I feel as though sales has a branding problem. For a very long time, sales has been, it's dirty, it's seemly, it's ungainly, it's just, it's, you know, if you if you say to someone that you're a salesperson, they look at you like you've got crumbs on your shirt and you've, you know, and you're a sort of a deviant in, in some way. Why has sales got such a bad name and what can we do to uh, to change it? Well, sales has got such a bad name because of those old sort of 60s car dealer, cigarette, you know, bits of red, sort of, ah, yeah, and, <laughs> and, ripping, and ripping people off, that mm -hmm. whole kind of East Endy type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, 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 for me, it's about helping people to buy. It's not about selling. Uh, I don't want anyone to be sold to. In fact, we were, I was talking last night about you know about um it's called irrelevant irrelevant anchoring you know and how irrelevant anchoring can change how people's perceptions so you whack in a number just randomly like oh wow so how many houses in this street about a hundred right so we're charging you know and and irrelevant irre <laughs> irrelevant anchoring can change people's perceptions about what numbers are it's, mm. um, there's a science behind it mm -hmm. um just going back to it selling should be about helping customers buy but more often it feels like you're helping helping salesmen hit their targets <laughs> and that's i think that's kind of where it goes wrong mm. and then i think there's all that personal stuff about about making me to feel really small when you've mm. you've gone in, you've gone in with your heart on your sleeve to try and help a client and they've treated you really badly mm. you know, you've all done that thing when you've driven for three hours you get there and they don't turn up for the appointment and then they an hour later they they walk through saying well we're off to lunch now could you come back tomorrow it's like i've just driven three hours i've just waited out here for an hour sure. um but all of that is is uh avoidable by most of the time by 
preempting and having the right conversation, having the right process in place, mm. you know, by I'm going to come and see you next Thursday. Here's a few questions I'd like to answer. Mm. Is it best to do this? Are you sure you can make 15 minutes? Da, da, da. If it's easier after. Da, da. Uh, but yeah, one in one in 20 people you try and sell to is an idiot and will and will get through your filter. Um, but but we find, you know, the older and uglier we get, the easier it is because people know, have a better idea of what they're buying, mm. they're leaning into us. It's not like they're they're banging on lots of doors. They've they've normally done a test drive on a program or mm. an event or as you said, you know, the number of times people say, Oh, I've seen all your Facebook live stuff or I've read all your books. They've done they've done the test drive. Yeah. It's there it's not even there for you to win. It's there for you to lose. You know, 100%, like 100%, 100%. Like, so I have been reading you and interacting and seeing your content for years and whatever you have to sell me, <laughs> this is probably a really bad cue, but if you sell me anything, I will buy it I, without even speaking to you because I just know, it, it, I just know, I feel as though I know you or I feel as though I know your point of view and you've just built up a huge amount of trust and credibility um, over, by putting out really fantastic content over the years. So that's yeah. very kind. But I think the problem is that people know that that's the game. So that all this Facebook type, you know, triple your quadruple your business turnover in six months or your money mm. back type stuff mm. plays into this. Yeah. You know, it's like a tick box, like, Give them free content. Make sure they make sure they feel we owe them something. Give them some more. Um, give them a freebie. Tell them how much it's really worth. And and there is a fair amount of of scurrilous uh, selling of stuff on the internet. Well, that's because we want success now. And to your point, yeah, you have, you have to build a brand. But building a brand takes time. You know that. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. So create you know writing a book putting it out there taking the time that it takes for it to permeate among the masses and among among your target audience all of that stuff takes time and it's quicker and easier to say turn this on pay this money yeah, switch, yeah, switch yeah. on this switch and you'll, and you'll get all, all these um, leads. And, and that and that whole thing of uh of selling to you know selling to people who are in a bad place um you know, it's, it's shocking and, and really bad. And yes, we all want silver bullets. Not, well, we all want, yeah. I mean, even I, I, I wouldn't mind losing, losing half a stone if you could just give me a silver bullet just to do that. Or <laughs> what pill do make, I swallow? Yeah. Or make me run an ex, or be fit for when I go sure. skiing. If there's a shortcut, I'll sure. take it. Sure. So everyone is wooed into uh, do this in order to make more sales sure. on LinkedIn or do this to increase your profit. And, and, I'm afraid to say, you know, that uh, one of the things that, going back to the early conversations we've had, one of the things that really great agencies do is they're awesome at the dull, boring stuff. They're awesome at measuring. They're awesome at systems. They're awesome at processes. They're awesome at accounting. They're awesome at collecting money. They're awesome at contracts. Uh, and they just grind, because that's the only word I can use, they grind through the dull, boring stuff. So, hey, in praise of the dull, boring stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
Robert, this is this is fantastic. I could speak to you all all day, but we've uh, I, I know I've only got you for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Let's get into everyone's favorite questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. Uh, so okay. I'm really excited to ask you some of them as well. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience. I'll give you I'll give you two. <clears throat> In the early days when I ran the restaurant when I was 2021, 20, we were going to buy the building behind for a really big lamp of money and we were going to put market stalls in there and we were going to put like 50 market stalls in there and it's going to be awesome and that's going to pay everything and I was become richer than my wildest dreams. Hmm. <clears throat> but someone told me about uh, testing, testing your proposition before you purchased. So we put an advert out in the local paper for three weeks saying market stalls behind a restaurant, 50 of them, amazing, da, 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 da. Hmm. And not one single person, not one single person replied. And it made me realize, thank God we haven't actually put in a deposit on it. And we withdrew. And the other one was working with uh, Airbus uh, a long time ago. And um they all turned up like an hour and a half late in their very sort of European Gaulois smoking manner. So, uh, uh, and, and I started, I had a three day program I was mm-hmm. running and, and we got to the first coffee break and it was wrong. I mean, everyone was really unhappy. And I said, what's, what's going on? And they said, eh, this is uh, interesting, but it is not what we expected. Oh. And I'd been given an entirely different brief. Oh no. Uh, from the brief that they'd been given. Oh, now, no. now, here's the point. Had this been an American, large, significant American airline, right. they, would have, they would have kicked me out and told me Straight never to away. their door. Right. But because they were a bit more European, right. they said, uh, I said, give me 20 minutes. What is it you want to achieve? This is what we want to achieve. How will you know you've achieved it when this has happened? Okay, fine. So if we, we could spend an hour now designing this program this is the main board of airbus huh. designing this program for your people then you would get the program you really want so are you up for it and they said yes of course and so the whole thing was retrieved well done turning that around uh, uh by them listening and them yeah. not being aggressive so i think those are two big ones for me. but also the fact that you weren't flustered by that because that could put a lot of people off yeah. i would imagine it was good. It was, so yeah, it was like it was like one of those. I'm glad I wore my antiperspirant. <laughs> Definitely. So you, uh, we spoke earlier about the importance of mentorship and coaches. Yeah. Who were some of your early mentors? Who guided uh, your the way that you think about growing businesses and entrepreneurship? Uh, I think there's a guy called Richard Alston who used to be part of PE Imbucon. He when I did my MBA, which I was like a thirty. And and he said very profoundly, he said, uh, his voice, you know, Robert, uh, you know exactly what I know, and you say exactly the same things to people as I do, but the difference is that me as Richard can go in the chairman's helicopter and I look comfortable there and you wouldn't, and that's the difference. And that's why me as Richard charges <clears throat> X thousand pounds and you don't. And it was like, gosh, yeah, um, a large part of this isn't about what you say, but it's about how you say it. And uh, so we're back to authority. We're back to uh, gravitas. We're back to being in a position where people respect what you say. And Richard was great. And Richard uh, used to almost lay traps for me. Like he used to leave photos in his office mm. to see if I'd notice them. Really? Uh, and he used to, he used to really emphasize 
it's not about what it's not about what you do it's about how you do it it's about relationships it's about listening it's about caring intensely and it's about not being arrogant and uh he kind of he kind of wore a uh a a steel glove with a bit of softness here and there to kind of just slap me around and and knock the edges off me and make me more more humble and more um recognize that you know trust is is earned um so yeah i think richard is probably my man sounds like a fantastic mentor we've talked about your books a lot mm-hmm. um i love your books your books are fantastic tell us about some of your other books what do you read for personal and professional development okay uh i think so i read tons but then i don't read if i'm writing a book i read tons and i stop the books you know the books which i i tell you what i'll tell you the books that i give to everyone i work okay. with yes please i'm making long a list, list. okay I've got, big, I've got a big long list which i'm happy to tell share. me <laughs> i'll give wait. you i'll give you my top four or five. Oh wow okay. um purple cow by seth godin great everyone book has to read that yeah uh the one thing by gary keller Okay. Uh, just absolutely awesome. Okay. Simple question: What's the one thing you do right now that make everything else less necessary or unnecessary? Huh. Just awesome. Uh, for agency owners, "Built to Sell" by John Warrillow. Uh, yes. Um, certainly, if you're thinking about selling, growing the agency, that's the one for me. Uh, for those of you who aren't thinking of selling, but you don't know how how to grow a business without selling it, because no one's told you how. Uh, Small Giants, which you've probably not heard of, Small Giants by Bo Burlingham. Yes. Uh, and that's about people who turn their back on the big exit check. Right. And focus uh, on being great instead of being big. That's the one. That's right. the one. Um, and then uh, a couple of others. Radical Candor by Kim Scott about being honest uh, and caring at the same time. So many people have mentioned that on the podcast. Yeah, it's a really nice one. Okay. Um, and then, uh, or if it's if it's about money, I'd go for Profit First by Mike Makulovitz. Yep, good uh, book. Putting your profit right at the front. And the oldies, which kind of I haven't read for ages, but they're the principles within them I still mm. use, and I actually wouldn't. Re- I'm not sure I'd recommend reading them because they're kind of a bit old school. Would be. Michael Gerber's E-Myth, there's mm-hmm. some principles and theories in it, which are so good work on not in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective Managers, which is a bit weighty, but ah. the principle is really, really powerful. Highly effective managers. Okay, not highly effective. I haven't come across that one. I, I know highly effective people. Uh, it's, just, it's the same one, I'm sure. Okay. Oh, it is really? people. It is people. Oh, it is people? Right. Okay. It is people, yes. Yeah. I was going to say. Okay. So that's like the Bible of the modern... Sure personal development world really interesting okay added all to my amazon reading list especially Ooh. especially radical candor and I've, I've heard so many people mention that and small giants um that's what been on my list for a long time so thank you very much for that um amazon prime or netflix uh prime what are you watching what's good um Two things at the moment uh, I'm adoring at the moment. Uh, years and years. I just think that's just awesome. Okay. Uh, and I kind of can't get enough of Fleabag. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost on repeat. Phoebe Waller. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just so hilarious. clever. So yeah. different. I haven't seen anything like it. It is really good. I can't watch it with 
family though it's the kind of thing i have to watch yeah <laughs> with yeah. my partner or by myself like i can't it's a bit Great. too much um in the last three to five years what ideas behaviors or habits have you added or removed from your life that have improved your outcomes uh someone told me about uh one minute habits so to speak so just do it for a minute because you'll end up doing it more so i do three things every day i get my blood pressure high my my blood temperature up high for a minute and then so i might just run you know run and then i'll find i've been running for five or ten minutes hmm. uh i play guitar for one minute because then I'll discover I play for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And uh, I'll draw or scribble, because I do painting. uh, And I'll suddenly discover I've done it for 10 (laughs) minutes. And so if you just commit to doing one minute a day of three things, it's only three minutes, you actually build up this this catalogue of, hey, it's now six months that I've been doing it. Really interesting. So so in terms of habits, that's that. And then... Uh, uh, years and years ago I was vegetarian and about four or five years ago I kind of went back to it to see what it was like and I think that's just been pretty good sort of makes me feel I mean I love meat and I always will love meat nothing like red wine red mm-hmm. wine <laughs> red meat right uh, and a cigarette right and a brandy okay. and cheese to kind of get my cholesterol all those food. bad things and a coffee to finish well, off well we're coming up to christmas uh, you, you can be let yeah, off yeah i can be let off so but i mean dropping meat from my diet made me feel lighter and brighter okay and, more energy yeah more, more energy alert. not spending my time doing that stuff yeah just, yeah it was lighter, okay yeah so a millennial or a young person asks you for advice to start an agency and get into the agency world. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give her? Uh, I give, so I give her go for it. I give her um, be really clear. I give her uh, ask. Uh, I give her... Um, don't uh, ask for permission. Just just go for it, and then ask mm-hmm. for forgiveness afterwards mm-hmm. if you Love need that. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and enjoy the journey. Hmm. I think I see too many people on kind of Groundhog Day of it just not being great, and you just think, guys, you know, you hmm. you're in this privileged position of choosing when you work, who you work with, what hmm. you do, and you're being really miserable, and it's just like what a waste. Hmm. Great answer. And my final question, Robert, what mm-hmm. do you know about growing an agency today and entrepreneurship today that you wish you knew when you started um, after the end of your MBA? Uh, I think put your prices up. Huh. I think the one thing, the, there's one thing I wish we'd done earlier, quicker, faster, was put our prices up. Why? Um... Uh, because there's this kind of this escape velocity. So if, you're, if your prices are right and your billability is right and your sales are right, then you're making the profit to reinvest to make everything happen in the business. Mm. And I think too many people don't charge enough because they're a bit apologetic and therefore they can't employ the people they want to employ and they mm. can't put in place the systems they want to employ and they get mm. stuck in, it's almost like a doom loop, mm. whereas this escape velocity is 
is is the release you know what is it that really great agencies do they have that escape velocity so they can invest in the future they can mm. employ great people <clears throat> they can invest in 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 writing great proposals and i think probably the key to that is is being proud about your price not being ashamed of it hmm. great place to end robert thank you so much for doing this absolute pleasure really enjoyed talking with you we have been speaking with Robert Craven. He is currently the founder of Grow Your Digital Agency Initiative. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to 41 such conversations we've had with world-class sales and marketing leaders. Thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on LinkedIn. Write to me at nathanagencydealmasters.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at NathanAnnieBarber. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Genevieve Mageki is our booker slash project manager. Marion Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. Mm-hmm.